podcast files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the VHS Files podcast. Do you read Sutter Kane? I don't read books, Josh. We're back. We're back, and we're talking a John Carpenter flick tonight, everybody. How we feel about it? Great. Who's this John Carpenter guy you're talking about? Uh, I mean, we've only talked about him a few times on this show. He directed a couple of movies, maybe one that you really like a whole lot. I don't know. See anything you like? But tonight we're talking about uh, one of his uh, lesser talked about movies, honestly, uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Came out uh, February 3rd, 1995 uh, in, in the U.S. And um, had a budget of $8 million. Only did a domestic box office of $8.9 million. So this was uh, not a very good uh, running for John Carpenter with this movie. But... Um, I think this is a sleeper movie, man. Like I, I remember not Absolutely. knowing much about this movie. And as soon as I heard that Carpenter directed it, I was like, Oh shit. Why have I never seen this movie? Uh, this unfortunately, well, this is not my first watch of this movie, but that's how I felt the first time I heard about it. Um, what about you guys? Uh, when did you hear about this movie? When did you watch this movie? I remember seeing the, the VHS, you know, the cover, a lot in the video oh, yeah. store and, and never renting it or anything. But uh, I didn't watch this movie until probably about a decade ago, maybe. And uh, so what about you guys? How, when was your first watch? When How did you hear about it? All that good stuff. Go ahead, Eric. Same. <laughs> uh, about 10 years ago. Yeah. Just getting into Carpenter and wanting to watch all this stuff. And it's definitely one of my favorite Carpenters and really like it more every time. Now, if we were going top five Carpenter movies, where would this fall? Would this fall in the top five for you? I've never really thought about it. Um, wow. Mm, I don't know if it would be a top five. I, I top. I mean, it's definitely not top three for me, but I'm, oh. I'm thinking no, it may creep three. into the top five. I don't know. I'd, I'd really have to take a good look at Carpenter movies again, but yeah, I'm now I'm blanking on it, but. Uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, you obviously got, you know, Halloween would be at the top of Jason's list, probably right. be top of my list. Uh, the Thing, I mean, I they live. The Thing may be honestly edging Halloween out of the top spot in John Carpenter say. movies for me, because like for me, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I don't think Halloween's even number two for me. I think. Yeah. Some might jump. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're just, uh, yeah, weird. Bye, bye, Eric. Just take him off. Just talking about my screen. personal favorites. And it's weird because he kind of, he genre jumps a little bit. Like when you're thinking about top five John Carpenter movies, like it, it kind of slips your mind that Big Trouble in Little China is absolutely up there on, to on top of that list. Now for some more bad news. Ready? What, this gets worse? Come on. Yeah, oh, that's it, a that's probably, a top it would five make my top Carpenter. five for sure. Yeah, right. Top five Carpenter. And uh, and mm -hmm. I think the one reason that this movie kind of is forgotten and people don't talk about it so much is because it is the later Carpenter stuff. I mean, this is 95 and his his later on stuff in his filmography tends to be the stuff that people don't like very much. Who's the guy that writes that horror crap? Kind of looking at it, this is probably the last like really decent John Carpenter movie. And then yeah. after this, they kind of start going a little farther downhill. Um, Jason, yeah, when was the I first agree. time you saw this? Oh, uh, I was in my probably 
late teens, early 20s, because See, this movie, I think, came out, what is it, 94, 95? I'm still in high school. I, it's one of those, you go into the video store, it was always there in the horror. I mean, you know the box art, you know, mm-hmm. and they had the posters on the walls, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool, but I just never watched it. Uh, I don't think I actually ever rented it. I think it ended up staying on, like, HBO or something. And I gave it a watch, and uh, I've maybe seen, before we decided to do this episode, I probably watched it twice maybe three times all the way through right in 20 something years so uh yeah it's not one of my favorites uh but it's it's still a decently made movie it's definitely got carpenters i mean it's carpenter i mean you if they didn't even put his name in on anywhere at the beginning and didn't have it on the box art you could definitely tell this is a carpenter movie the music and the way it's shot I mean, I will definitely take this over Ghosts of Mars any day. Believe that shit. Josh knows how I feel about that. <laughs> I, I've only seen Ghost of Mars once. I feel like it's just Assault on Precinct 13 in space, basically. But right. I don't remember hating that movie. I mean, a lot of people don't like that movie. And I, I can understand why, but um, I didn't think it was that bad when I watched it. But I'll probably watch it now and think completely differently. Uh, the, the, the later stuff for, for Carpenter, for me, I think of is like village of the damned, the ward, which was his last movie, which was really bad. I'm not crazy. Memoirs of an invisible man, which I talked I love about, that movie. which I talked about on the, not a bomb podcast. A few, a few months ago, that's one that's just completely non-horror, but you also have Sam Neill there and Chevy Chase. Um, and I remember liking that movie a lot as a kid, but never really thought, you know, I talked about this in the, the Not a Bomb episode. I never really knew it was a John Carpenter movie until I really got into John Carpenter. And I think that could also be said for this movie, even though they put John Carpenter's John Carpenter's Christine, John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. Like they put his name on top of all these movies, but I, I think some people may not even realize that this is a John Carpenter directed film sometimes. You didn't have to put his name on it. If you're just a fan of his movies from through the eighties and everything, it has that the look and the feel. And like you said, the music part. It does feel so like a Carpenter. Forgotten movie though. Yeah, it does. Like, yeah. Unless you're a Carpenter fan, you're not paying attention to this movie at all. Right. Like unless you're like into movies and the general populace forgot this thing ever came out, I yeah, guess. This is one of those movies because yeah, Sam Neill's uh, career started picking up after Jurassic Park, which was in '95, right? Yeah, Jurassic Park was '94, I think. This is listen. You've said '95 a couple of times. IMDb says '94 for In the Mouth of Madness. So it was released in Italy. Did my segment on Italy '94. Well, that's what it says at the top. So that's what I go with. Well, I will take 94. It's not that big a deal. It's, it's February, dude. We're only two <laughs> months removed from 1994. Yeah, I mean, it debuted in Italy in December of, of 94. So it technically came out here shortly thereafter. Um, but yeah, Sam Neill did not expect to... He did not expect Jurassic Park to be as big as it got. And when he was flying in to Toronto to film this, he was getting mobbed with people because of Jurassic Park. And so it was kind of a rough uh, time for him trying to get around because everybody was swarming him after Jurassic Park. Uh, Also, this is the first time John Carpenter has ever shot in Canada. Uh, This entire movie was shot uh, on, on scene in Toronto. Or just right there outside Toronto. So is that is that where the the cathedral is? Yes. As well? 
Okay. Yeah, all the locations that were here are all up, up, in, up in the Toronto area. Um, also, one thing I found interesting, and I remember I was watching it this time going, man, this looks a lot like, it just looks a lot like a Cronenberg movie. Like, it has that same sort of 80s, 80s late early 90s Cronenberg feel. He used Cronenberg's uh, art department to do set decorations and all of that stuff. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah I mean, that is cool. I uh, I watched this twice this time. I watched it once, just r- once through, and then I did the second one with the commentary. It's got John Carpenter and Sandy King, his wife, who also produced the movie, and they're talking about being on location where they shot all of that stuff and what they used, and it's pretty funny. funny. Um, this being a New Line Cinema movie, they didn't have a whole lot of good things to say about the uh, guy who runs New Line Cinema. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, there was another particular person who stars in this movie that they had some choice things to say about. Not so much John Carpenter, but his wife. And we'll get to them when we get to that particular person. Yeah. Hey, did you know that he wasn't really the first choice for this? I believe it was offered to him and he didn't want to do it at the time it was offered. Yeah. And then it came back around and he took it. Um, but I don't know who the first choice was for it. Who was uh, it? We had Tony Rad, who directed Hellraiser 2. Uh, was actually the first director before it, and then Mary Lambert, who directed Pet Cemetery, was the second mm-hmm. before hmm. Carpenter got it. And I don't know about you guys, but some of the monsters and stuff in this movie, this movie kind of reminds me of the thing mixed with a little Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. I was going to bring yeah, that up for sure. It's definitely got some thing influence, like with the, the little the floppy around air tube tentacles and stuff. Yes, the floppy tentacles for sure um, are straight but, from the dog blooming. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the effects in this were done by K&B, which is Greg Nicotero's uh, yeah. effects department. And I, I watched some behind-the-scenes stuff with him talking about all the production stuff that went into this, all the monster making and everything. There's some interesting stuff there. Um, and he had a lot of good things to say about Carpenter. You know, I had always been a massive fan of John's for forever, you know. I mean, and, and knowing that John single-handedly redefined the horror genre in the 70s, it was, for me, one of the most exciting times of my career was to be able to collaborate with a guy like John. And he's worked with Carpenter ever since uh, doing this movie with him. So, and of course, Greg Nicotero went on. He's, you know, Greg Nicotero nowadays just by name, but back then you wouldn't have known him. But of course, The Walking Dead and all kinds of other stuff. Well, before we get into the movie, even though this came out in 95, technically, Eric, take us back to 1994. We're sending you back in time. Well, Josh, in 1994, the year that IMDb says this movie came out, uh, we wore stovepipe jeans and we grunged it, totally grunged it out to uh, hits like Interstate Love Song by Stone Temple Pilots and Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden and Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Even our grungy hearts couldn't resist the invitation to take a ride on a fantastic voyage with Coolio. R.I.P. Coolio. R.I.P. Coolio. Rest in peace, Coolio. And Chris Cornell. And, and Scott Cornell. Uh, all of them. <laughs> everyone involved. Uh, of course, Pulp Fiction changed the game in 94, but we also got The Crow, uh, Leon the Professional, and Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Crayola released Scented Crayons in 1994. We talked about this last time we were in 1994. Uh, Crayola's Scented Crayons. They had some uh, rejected scents. If you recall some sense that didn't make it into stores uh 
toenail collection, cigar breath, and diarrhea. Oh, cha cha cha! Cigar breath. Wow. Yeah, uh, the lean, mean, fat-reducing grilling machine, otherwise known as the George Foreman grill, was introduced in 1994. Uh, do you guys know that you know George actually named all his sons? He had like seven sons. Or they're all George, like and they're all named George Foreman. He also named uh, he he also uh, named his little grill that as well. <laughs> <laughs> grill. That's bad. Um, Anyway, so some other rejected Crayola scents were a Bleach and a Rat King and oh, uh, like Dad's Boat Shoes. <laughs> oh, God, man. It yeah. smells Woo! like leather. Rejected scents. Those were rejected. <laughs> and finally, here's uh, someone that was doing it long before White Claw. Hit it, Josh. Oh, Zay God, please, no. Beer. Not that. What do you have? <laughs> no. What if there wasn't any beer? Sorry guys. I'm, I'm already, if it's what I think, I'm already like about to vomit. <laughs> I, don't know what you're gonna, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know, Here but I, I'm waiting for Josh. I'm like, Bleh. Zima. Zima. Well, you said White Claw. That makes me go. <laughs> Zima. Oh, the Sprite of alcohol. <laughs> he doesn't have pretzels either. Beer doesn't exist and pretzels don't exist in that universe. Uh, and it's funny. I love how they always called it a unique alcohol beverage. I'm like, what is it? Why is it clear? It's a unique alcohol. It's malt liquor. <laughs> anyway, what's seltzer? You know, it, <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's what the thing is. Is everybody liked it and then thought it was horrible. It disappears for decades, and now you have uh, white claw. And truly, everything. it yeah. just came back. It, it's just this time they decided to put some fruit flavors in it, right? Instead of just making it clear like the way yeah. it was. Okay, well, let's get to talking about In the Mouth of Madness. And the first thing I want to bring up, maybe not so much for Eric, but for Jason. Jason, what what did you think of when this movie started playing? When the credits started to roll and the music starts to play, what did you think of? I love that it was a fucking heavy metal intro. <laughs> That's all I thought of. Yeah, me too. It's I was in there going, I love that music. You're immediately having a good time, but what, I don't know what you're referencing. I don't know if I get uh, maybe, uh, dude. I told you I'm having, I'm suffering from a lack of sleep here. From okay? the guy who always brings up Metallica, Master of Puppets, on this show, you did not hear Enter Sandman in this fucking intro. <laughs> I don't wow. think I did. I just heard John hey, Carpenter. Uh, excuse me. Excuse Go back. Me. Go back and listen to the music. It sounds exactly like Enter Sandman. But there's a good reason behind that. <laughs> and, uh, I, I thought it sounded so much like it that I started doing research right away. And John Carpenter actually wanted to get Enter Sandman and use it for this movie. However, he could not get the rights to it. So he and the other gentleman that he did the score with, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, wrote a song that sounded similar to Enter Sandman. So yeah. there's a good reason for it. But as soon as we started watching this movie the other night, I was like, this is the biggest fucking Enter Sandman ripoff I've ever heard in my life. And sure enough, it's because Carpenter wanted to Enter Sandman. Yeah. Instead of just the wah, though, they throw some wah with some hammer on, pull us on, and they're like, wah! Yeah. <laughs> they do a little bit of that. Yeah, I get you. They I basically see, see. improved on the Metallica song. 
No. No. <laughs> yeah, they improved on it. And it's it actually it um, Dave Davies from the Kinks playing guitar on it as well. Oh, interesting. Oh. Who, who, his son, uh, Dave Davies' son, has actually been touring with John Carpenter, and they mm-hmm. they performed together as John Carpenter's band and whatnot. Other with John Carpenter's son, uh, they've I also his sons there. Yeah, they've also been doing the scores for the new Halloween movies together as well. Um, but I love how it it opens up in this book printing press, you know, and you're watching yeah. all these books being printed. And then instantly we get thrown into an insane asylum. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like we're jumping right into this. We're just gonna drag and Sam Neil in. What's his? Uh, who's his name? Trent. John Trent. Or John Trent. Like yep. Yeah, and dragging him in by fucking the straight jacket, kicking people in the fucking balls. <laughs> I'm sorry about the balls. It was a lucky shot. That's all. Wait. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, and you, I mean, you see a handful of people right here in these opening couple of scenes, you get, um, Lionel Luther himself, <laughs> John Glover as one of the, <laughs> uh, the guys, uh, in the, uh, insane asylum. And then you got Dr. Uh, Dr. Wren, who's played by David Warner coming in to discuss some things with, with Trent. Um, if you've listened to our Jurassic Park episode, You've heard my thoughts about that movie and Sam Neill's performance in that movie and what I think of it. Uh, I think Sam Neill in this movie is better than anything he did in Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Dr. Wren, and I'm going to try and get you out of here. After all, by redecorating. I think he's fucking hamming it up in this, and he's having a good time. I love Sam Neill in this movie. He is great in this. I I totally agree. I like him in Jurassic Park also, but uh, and I think they're very different, obviously. But he is having fun. Clearly, like he's having a good time making this movie, or at least if that if he's not, he's a great actor because yeah, it just yeah he's he's soaking up the the scenes and. Oh yeah, I love that. But, I just uh, like it when the was it Doctor Wren, uh, the guy from Waxwork. That's the only thing I really remember him from. Waxwork has the- come up quite a bit in recent episodes, so that might be something we need to. And watch I've never seen soon. that, so maybe Dude, Dude, I just watched I. it not too Put long that ago. On the short list. And then when I watched this, and I mean, I was doing my notes for it, and I noticed he was in it. But Susan Seam is like this guy from Waxwork. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's asking me if he if he had any requests. Just one single black crayon. That is the best fucking crayon in the yeah. world yeah. to write all that shit on the walls and Writes on, on everything face. and your face and his clothes. I want to know how he did all that in the short amount of time that he was there. Yeah. The answer is that's how Sutter Kane wrote it. Yeah. That's, that's you know, you're getting into this a little early, but like that's the <laughs> that's the thing that I absolutely fucking love about this movie is, the, is the premise they set up. Um, Absolutely. Jenny and I are, are huge Stephen King fans. And yeah. when we saw this movie for the first time, as am I, um, yeah. Jenny, Jenny loved it because of the kind of Stephen King nature of all the, you know, Sutter Kane and the references and whatnot. Also, it's a you know, big, it's also very much inspired by HP Lovecraft. Right. Uh, a lot of the, the demon or the, a lot of the monster work and everything is all yeah. HP Lovecraft design sort of stuff. Um, but the way they set this up and how, I mean, you're, you're kind of thrown into it in the, in the beginning without knowing what's going on, but it's, 
it's one of those where it's just like, as you go on this ride, more and more shit just gets crazier and crazier and you start figuring things out and you're like, you know, if you, if you've read Stephen King, it's very reminiscent of the shit Stephen King does, how he like, he'll write himself into books and shit like that. So this was an instant one where whenever we watched it for the first time, it was like, holy shit, this is cool. We need to watch this more. How have we never seen this movie? Um, you know, you know what I kept thinking about watching this this time is Christopher Stolen. <laughs> Why is that? Because this feels like a Christopher Nolan, like, I mean, his are a little more precise, obviously, uh-huh. but, uh, you know, just getting into what is reality and the idea of reality flipping based on how many people agree on it right. or believe in it. And that's what ultimately decides what is reality or, you know, we, they get into some of that kind of stuff. That our world wasn't real. That she needed to wake up to come back to reality. That in order to get back home, we had to kill ourselves. Inception, obviously, you know, is the biggest one. Of just like not quite sure where's the top level here. Where is right. reality? Well, what's to be scared about? It's not like it's real or anything. Well, it's not real from your point of view, and right now reality shares your point of view. What, what scares me about Kane's work is what might happen if reality shared his point of view. Um, I was even trying to think, like, when do we leave? We're, I don't think we're ever in reality, but, like, what's the top level? Like, the yeah. top level is him in the hospital. Or, or sorry, him at work, right? Right. Uh, the first time, it's interrogating that one dude. Like, that's the top level. And then, like, when does it break? Like, it seems like it breaks when he starts reading the books. Really breaks. But, like you said, it gets going quickly. Like yeah. you you're like right like things there's no lull there's no waiting there's no slow burn you have shit going on right away and what's really what really sucks you in is like he's he doesn't want to be put in this cell and then when he gets there he's like oh no i'm safer in here i'll stay in here yeah. and you're like what the fuck <laughs> is up with this guy like you want out or you want in like what what's going on and yeah, you get a lot of, exp- well, you don't really get much explanation when he's talking to Dr. Wren, but it's one of those where it's like, okay, is he crazy or what are we dealing with here? No, I, I, I think I'll stay. There's a guard with a pair of swollen testicles who swears you wanted out of here. Oh yeah, um, I changed my mind. Sam Neill's having way too much fun with this. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the little lines, his, this little uh, witty comments yeah. throughout the whole movie. He's it's just, a, he's awesome. a smart ass. He's a know-it-all. He, he's he got, you know, every trick in the book has been played on this guy because he's an insurance investigator. Yeah, right. And, you know, we get that from where it jumps ahead to where we're finding out about him. We go back, you know, we do our flash flashback and uh, he, him and Peter Jason and the, uh, the head of Lambda 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 there are uh, <laughs> uh, talking to this guy and he's calling him out on his bullshit. He's like, Hmm, I don't think you're telling the truth here. And, and you know, he plays it with pizzazz. He plays it with like this, just, you know, sort of swagger. And it's like, again, like I'm already getting so much more out of Sam Neill in the beginning of this movie. Like that's what I'm missing in Jurassic park is his like little quips. And you don't get a whole lot of that. Like he's, he's deadpan in that compared to this, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I like that, particularly on a rewatch, when you're watching him in this initial interrogation and, uh, you know, how he always wants a cigarette and he's saying cool things all mm-hmm. the time. Like he's a character. 
Yeah. He's really starting to sweat. Shall I turn on the air conditioning? What do you think? You know, like he really is a character, and of course he's literally a character. By the time you get to the end, you realize, right. you know, he was created. He's a written character, and that's why he's like a cool like detective with a cigarette and he's always says the right thing and he's always you know like yeah making the moves on the lady it all works it all works together so beautifully just little details like that you know i love looking th- you know thinking about it all in, in recontextualizing scenes you know right. after watching it the first time yeah you mentioned the character robinson the one he's sitting there talking and you said lambda 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 i think i remember from is a movie that a lot of people don't is i'm gonna get you sucker yeah yeah, he was in that as well. I loved him in that movie, man. Wait a minute. You ain't gonna tell me that I'm your dad no shit like that now because I don't want to hear no bullshit. No. Loved him in that movie. But I mean, you but, get uh, you get what you need to know about Trent, you know, pretty pretty quickly there, and then you know he and the gentleman go to have have lunch and talk about the the, the case that they've been working on, and all of a sudden. You got a fucking dude just walking across the street with an axe. You're like, what is going yeah. on right now? <laughs> Boom. Like right away, you've got an, an axe, axe murderer walking up. And how cool is it? Like, you know, just Carpenter doing being Carpenter. Like they're having a conversation. This guy's walking from the background. Yeah. It's just like so rad. And the way it's shot, how they're in front of the window eating at the in the booth, yeah. and you can kind of see the action happening in front of you coming closer to them, and they're completely oblivious as to what's going exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of great moments in this movie. Like, I, I think, you know, we we talk about sometimes like movies where, uh, you know, you have a lot, you, you have like a moment that you'll definitely remember, mm-hmm. like a, a a real specific spot, like that was rad or that was and this is one of them and there's a i feel like there's a bunch in this movie more than more than your average movie as far as just like imagery yeah like that's what i was about to say is i think the imagery in this movie is all is is all great like the way they set up the shots like that opening shot of them bringing trent to the insane asylum you know that's that's a water treatment plant in toronto it's not even (laughs) it's not even a hospital and um but the way they set it up it's like it looks like it would house thousands of mental patients. <laughs> like that place looks yeah. huge, but it's, it's, so it's, cool. it's, yeah, it's all in the way they capture the shots of stuff. Like when you get the shot of the church later and the hotel and the town and like, I just like it when, like you said, that they're having the lunch and he busts the glass open. I mean, they showed that. I think that's in the trailer from back in the day uh-huh. where he sh- has the guy busting the glass and then they get the zoom in of his eyes and he's got the multiple pupils. Yeah. There's Crazy. another image, like yeah, and they don't really explain that ever. Well, that happens to a few people. There's a few people in the movie that are that way. It's everybody who's reading the book, right? But are they like bridging to another like perspective? Is it like their you know their pupils are like they're 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 splitting into another reality? I mean, right. that's the yeah. I mean, they going, they right? don't like, go into explanations for it's that. A, but... It's a quite a striking image, though, when you see some of their oh, for eyes sure. are so like super blue and like. And the there's pupil. B- before we get to all of that, when he's still in the in the hospital, locked in the room, like there's a lot of things that build up, or a lot of things you see in this that you just again, like you won't forget. Whenever the hand comes up to the window, you don't oh. see who that is. But Ever. that hand is creepy as fuck looking, dude. <laughs> and I was just like, that was. That was the first thing I noticed is just how creepy the hand was. And then if you're watching him looking out the window of the door, you can see the shadow, a shadow of a person move behind oh, it. Yeah. So like yeah. all of that stuff, like, again, like 
why is this movie not fucking talked about and herald about like you, you we're not even halfway into the movie at this point and i'm already seeing things and i'm like wow yeah, this it is should be good. it should be among the ranks of you know like popular well i guess you know yeah 80s 90s horror what was going on in horror at this point Were we well this is 95 this is the year before scream you're so, yeah that's what i'm thinking i'm trying to think so yeah screams 96 right this is 94 you mean um <laughs> so this was two years later uh anyway uh yeah i guess maybe it's it's because people just weren't into horror as much anymore I don't remember there being a whole lot of like alternate reality horror kind of stuff or, around this time either. Man. And we've gotten a lot more used to that now, especially with the multiverse and, and Marvel movies and everything right. everywhere all at once, which deals with the multiverse and stuff. So, and those are movies that I gravitate towards. So therefore when I see something like this, I'm like, Holy shit, how did I not know about this? Because we weren't paying attention to it back then. You know, right. at, at 15, this probably would have been way over my head. And, you know, when the guy comes through, do you read Sutter Kane? And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, you at this point, we don't even know who Sutter Kane is. So it gives you a lot to set up there. And um, but I mean, could you imagine just sitting in a in a place having lunch and all of a sudden (laughs) this shit happens? Like, no, no, no. You did find out because right before he gets there. Uh, Robinson's telling them about they have another client. It's a multi-million dollar suit about a missing author called Sutter Kane. Okay, so they then, find out right before the right guy before the guy gets over okay. to the glass. So, and I'm like, because it's like you said, you know, who the hell is Sutter Kane? So, as we learn later, basically, if 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 he wasn't gunned down, if if Trent said, "No, I don't," I'm assuming the guy wouldn't kill him. But I ain't the way Sutter Kane wrote it. This goes back to what you said earlier, Eric, and what Jason just said. Like that's not the way Sutter Kane wrote it. And th- yes, of course. Any question we have could be answered by that from this point. This is a movie that benefits from rewatches, and you find things like that. Um, and I and I think the first time I watched this, even though I liked it as much as I did, I I wanted to watch it again right away because I wanted to see what kind of shit like that I was missing the first time around. Um, I, I'm starting to become a firm believer in not not really giving an opinion of a movie and until I've seen it twice, at least because there have been so many instances where I've watched movies and not thought that something was good. And the second time I watch it, I find things in it that I missed the first time. And I was like, Oh, okay. That changes the whole game. I must've not been paying attention or something, but it can influence it either way. Like you can watch it a second time and be like, okay, it was kind of a one time thing yeah some movies are great like the first watch but then they're not super rewatchable after that and unfortunately it's usually movies that have a twist in them at some point like right. six cents uh, you know i still think the six cents is a great movie to rewatch. it's just i see dead people that first watch reaction to that movie from that point on from that point forward you're looking for all the stuff that you missed the first time you watched it because you were so you know z- zoned out on right. what you're yeah what you thought that's you should what, be following. Yeah, that's what I do when I watch Fight Club again. Yeah. After this, all this incident happens, we get Trent. He's going to Arcane Publishing to yeah. go visit with them because I guess Sutter Kane is missing. 
and we get Mr. Charlton Heston. That's a big wig for a movie, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. And especially John, John Carpenter was very happy to have him in the movie. I mean, he was a big fan of Charlton Heston. Um, it was around this time that Charlton Heston really started to get very right wing and all the NRA stuff. But he said that, you know, working with him on set and everything, he was a gentleman to work with. He had no problems working with him. However, Sandy King had nothing but bad experiences with Charles <laughs> Heston. Uh, apparently, he doesn't like producers. Like, he's been in the movie business a long time at this point and yeah. has a thing about, like, producers or something. And being Well, he was... also was kind of bigger than everybody in this movie. Right. Oh, yeah. So, but it... like, he could come in and kind of swing his dick around. That's a motherfucking bit, Moses, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, motherfucker, I got 10 commandments. What you got? But Sandy King told a story about how one day he, movie. he kicked her, he kicked her out of her own office so he could relax. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh my God. This gotta be canceled in five minutes. <laughs> Modern day. But yeah, we meet him and he tells us about Sutter Kane and the fact that he's missing. We see all the books on display that look very similar to this kind of book here. You know, almost the same sort of type font and and whatnot. Sutter Kane is very similar visually to Stephen King. They name drop Stephen King. Yeah, a lot. Like directly name drop him, which is interesting. Sutter Kane happens to be this century's most widely read author. You can forget about Stephen King. Kane outsells them all. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's better than Stephen King in a world where Stephen King exists. That's how good he is. That's how Sutter Kane writes it, anyways. I that's outsell Stephen yeah. King. <laughs> yeah, that's what you, when you realize how the what's going on in the movie, you realize, oh, I got an ego problem. Yeah, and I hate, yeah. and I hate Stephen King. So fuck that guy. My book. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> I'd like to know um, what you guys think of Julie Carmen, who plays Styles, and, and her character in this movie. Like, how do you feel about Styles in this? I liked her better in Fright Night Two. See, I haven't <laughs> seen. I've only seen Fright Night Two once, and I th- I thought that she was the the vampire in that, but I couldn't remember, um, and I didn't do enough research to find out that she was. But uh, <laughs> Eric, what do you think about her in this? Oh, I think she's good. She's actually not in it that much, like. And if you it, think of the whole thing of the movie, yeah, she's not in there very long. Yeah. I th- I think she's really good when you first meet her and when he and her are exchanging information like around the elevator and whatnot about, you know, she needs to get the manuscript because she needs to get it published. They've pushed off getting it out there for so long. I think she's really good there, but it's like from that point on, I think she brings the movie down so much. Mm. I feel mm. like she's just a very wooden performance throughout it. And she's the the thing that I walk away from the movie disliking the most, I think. Um, and I don't know if it's just Julie Carmen's performance. I haven't seen her in enough to know if she's, uh, if this is the way she is in all the movies that she's in, but it's, I, you know, th- I think she's a pretty weak point in this movie. So I wanted to see what you guys thought about her. I uh, kind of like her. Mm-hmm. Kind of like her. I, it's weird how. Um, well, I kind of like how Trent is never seemingly never interested in her romantically, particularly she throws. Well, herself when he times. when he throws an arm on the elevator, it's like, hey, oh, I'm yeah, that, talk okay, about yeah. this. But like you said, but that's how you write the investigator guy in your book right he's a charmer yada yada but like she always 
is whenever she comes on to him after that, when things get weird, he always backs off from it, which I like. Uh, but it's weird. Like, I think uh, as like a modern viewer, it, it's weird seeing some of the parts where she's just throwing herself at him. And uh -huh. she's kind of saying that she's being written that way by Kane. Later, we kind of learn yeah. that those some of those moments are weird. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're for just, sure. They're uncomfortable, you know. What's weird is partly it's partly weird because you're used to seeing the lead male of a movie like pursuing the woman and really or, like or at the very least being seduced by right like not being able to resist it. But Trent's like no 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 get get off me. <laughs> and he's great. He 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 does a good job of conveying that he's not on board with any of the shit that's going on here from the get go. Like nothing he thinks it's all a scam. Yeah. All a scam. Nothing they're able to put in front of him until the very end of this movie, like is able to sway him until he sees it in front of his face, you know, like right. yeah, nothing right. anybody ever says or does to him convinces him that this is really happening. This shit really sells, isn't it? More than you'd imagine. Surprised. Maybe nothing surprises me. We fucked up the air, the water, we fucked up each other. Why don't we finish the job by just flushing our brains down the toilet? I was like, damn. I was like, man, he's got great lines. <laughs> he does. There's some, there's some great lines in this. And you get all these news reports throughout everything that the new Sutter Kane book has come out. People are mobbing the bookstores and like uh, causing riots and shit because they want this book all so All across bad. the country. Police believe the riots began because the stores could not meet the demand for advance orders of Sutter Kane's latest novel, In the Mouth of Madness. And that's also, that's another big part of it that I didn't really pick up on watching it the first time, maybe even the first couple of times, is how that is all playing part in what's happening in the entire story. And then uh, he goes and gets a bunch of, of books, and and I love how he begins reading, and it's not until now is when things start getting weird for him. Other than the fact that Kane's agent, the guy with the axe, uh, attacked him, like, it, everything else has just been kind of like, what's going on? But uh, as soon as he starts reading these books, weird shit, he starts dreaming about weird shit, which weird, weird shit starts happening to him. The double um, dream jump scare is great. It yeah, got, the, it, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff. It got me, <laughs> dude. It got me this time. Like, I was, I, oh, I, really? I forgot that that shit happens when he wakes up from that dream and turns and the cop is there. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, I forgot. <laughs> It's a good one. It is. Yeah. I mean, it is a good one, but I, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's some straight up 1984 action right there. <laughs> you you think you're awake. You're not awake. <laughs> but yeah, and I love the uh, makeup on these. Like, the remember the cop? He saw him in the alley earlier on the way home, uh, beating that kid in the alleyway. And then now he's having dreams about him. And they got these distorted, weird faces. And even yeah. the people around him. And he's having dreams about everybody showing up with axes and chopping up people and eating the flesh. And then he's yeah. waking up to all these double nightmares. Everything is like he just started reading the books and he's already like, fucked he's up. already messed up. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's yeah. not enough to get him off of his game. He starts to notice that the covers of these books all have something similar. And yeah. I think that is another 
brilliant idea like that they put into this movie when he discovers that these books and he cuts them sure. up and they they make something and oh lo and behold it's where all this shit takes place in new hampshire again yeah. kind of close to maine which is where Stephen king sure. stuff takes place no yeah no why is everything there? taking place in the uh, northeast <laughs> Only- well and, and again, like they wanted to shoot this in New England, shot it in Canada because it was as close to New England as they could get. Um, they wanted to do this as a union picture, but in America, they weren't about doing it union. So that's why they went to Canada and shot it there. But once he figures out that all this is going down in Hobbs Inn, which is supposed to be in New Hampshire, it's not on any map. But that's where it lays out. Uh, I love how they give us the the lay the 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 overlay graphic of where it is yeah. in the in the top top yeah. part of the U.S. Um, it makes you think like, did he arts and crafts this shit? Like, did he sit there? He and, did. Like, yeah, that's the oh, only man, way you would up all do night. it. Hobby that's Lobby, why they pay him the big Michaels bucks, man. Went down there, bought a map of the <laughs> Northeast, the laid it on there. <laughs> but the thing I like is when we get out on the road. I never knew that much corn existed in the Northeast. I'm thinking this is out in freaking Iowa, <laughs> Nebraska, or something like that. But I'm like, huh, they're driving through a bunch of corn, and we keep referencing Stephen King. It was he who walks behind the rose. When I watched it this time, in, in the car go by, they zoom into the corn. Yeah. And I kept waiting to see something there. <laughs> I was like, walk by. Something yeah. like the corn mood, just to, you know, the little nod to King there. But yeah, never did that. Well, what I love about this is <laughs> Trent just happens to keep a bike horn in his car. Oh! What is it? What? Hey, get awake. Who does that? To, to wake people up violently. <laughs> Don't throw chips at a driver. Yeah. Never, never, never throw chips at a driver but i mean she had every right to uh bash him with a bag of chips <laughs> absolutely he's lucky that's all it was and uh they can you know they swap places she continues to drive throughout the night while he sleeps and she sees this newspaper boy drive by on a bike and then goes past another guy on a bike and he's a lot older fun fact do you guys know who the kid is on the bike oh i know i know who it is no, I don't. that's because you looked on Wikipedia. You can see it, dude. Just it's, tell me who it is. No, I mean, seeing it later after the movies, you can see it. Of course, seeing it the first time. Yeah, I don't know who the hell that was. It's Darth you Vader did- himself. Hayden Christensen. It's Anakin Skywalker. No shit. Yeah. It's the, wow. it's the paper boy. Yeah, I was completely oh. shocked to find that out. I was like, well, goddamn, that's something you don't see every day. Well, goddamn. But the makeup on this kid, whenever he gets oh, over, with the like, there is a lot of creepy imagery in this man. Very creepy guy from totally. Poltergeist look there. Poltergeist too, with the long stringy hair. Also yeah. looks a lot like um, Pearl from X. Oh <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, good one. It's like they, yeah. it's like they took that makeup and put it on Mia Goth for that movie. <laughs> What's the, what, how can we make how can we make Mia Goth look scary, creepy? Man, did you ever see that movie in the Mouth of Madness by John? Carlin? How can we save some money? There's some old masks in there. <laughs> Go grab that one. You know, Carpenter got a lot of criticism for when they shoot the uh, the uh, agent when he comes through the window and threatens him with the axe, because when the cops shoot the agent, there's no blood, there's no squibs, mm-hmm. and oh. in the commentary, John Carpenter goes, "Well, it saved us a bunch of money." <laughs> <laughs> I I love listening to John Carpenter talk about movies, talk about Hollywood. 
and like, you know, he's been dealing with Halloween his entire career now, but it's so fun to watch John Carpenter talk about Halloween. He goes, every time there's a new Halloween movie, I lay out my hand and there falls a check. <laughs> like that's, that's all Halloween is to John Carpenter now is a fucking check in his hand. <laughs> well, that he's, he ends up doing the music for the movie anyway, so they're paying him twice. Right, right. So he's like, cha-ching, love you, Hollywood. Yeah, the uh, creepy guy, then she starts driving and starts tripping out. And then she thinks she hits the old man, kid, whatever, she does. on the bike. Well, she hit him, but there's no damage on the car. And then the fucker gets up and rides off. Yeah, <laughs> he's fine. Yeah, he's like, he's okay. And that's creepy as hell, too. But the part that freaked me out watching this, because I didn't remember this. When she's driving down the road and the lines on the road start changing colors and whatever, and then it goes black. Yeah. And she's driving, and all of a sudden, she looks down at the clouds. You remember that movie Repo Man? I have uh, only seen that movie one time. Yeah, it's like he's, I think he's like driving in the sky too at one part. I think so. It's been a while since I've seen it too, but that's what it reminded me of. I think there's a part in that movie where they're kind of tripping or something. But uh, yeah, and she's in the fucking sky. Like, (laughs) what the hell? And then the bridge, and it's fucking daylight. Yeah, they go through the br- <laughs> they go through the bridge in Beetlejuice, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. basically they pass the Maitlands on the way in. Right. Um, <laughs> there's also something you know you can say this came after, but like I find it very weird that it's parallel. Um, Stephen King's son Joe Hill wrote a book called no- called Nosferatu, um, and there was a TV show made and whatnot. I think they only did a couple of seasons. But there's like a there's a, a time traveling thing in that where they go the through this bridge and travel back in time. And I was like, man, that's another kind of like Stephen King esque reference sort of thing going on in this movie is how that happens. But yeah, I love that they come through this bridge and it's daylight, and then you see the sign, "Welcome to Hobbs End." Uh, talking about references, Lovecraft references. Oh, yeah. Big time. As well. Obviously, like the cosmic horror thing, you know, the idea of these unspeakable, un- inhuman terrors that are ancient and that kind of stuff, obviously, right. is all the ancient ones in, in that in that uh, vein. The movie, of course, is named similarly to At the Mountains of Madness, uh-huh. uh, the one of his books. All, all uh, the books is... are similar to Lovecraft stories. Like the titles are all similar. Right. Yes. And they also all depict moments in this film. Right. So they, if you look at their pictures, it's kind of like mirrors, major scenes of the film. Also, Miss Pickman uh, shares the name of a Lovecraftian character. Uh-huh. Uh, and some other shit What are you talking like about? That. That's, that's Trent happy. actually... That's Happy well, Gilmore's grandma. That's all. Grandma. Uh, uh, and then a couple times, some actual Lovecraft lines from books are are quoted as well. Yeah. Uh, when when Trent is reading from the book, and when people are reading from the book, there's some lines in there as well that are Lovecraftian. Yeah. Lovecraft si- uh, lines. <laughs> Lovecraft quotes is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. There's some lines in there that are Lovecraft quotes. Do you, do you love Lovecraft? Is it a love? love I love Lovecraft? Lovecraft quotes. Lovecraft quotes of crafting love. Of craft. I quote love Lovecraft quotes unquote. <laughs> oh God! 
But it's really awesome when Styles notices this place just from because she's read the books. Right. She's the editor. She's super familiar with everything. Right. She knows all the little details. She's read it over and over and over again. And she's yeah. given him directions to this place and that place. And they get to the hotel. She's like, you know, I recognize this. Why? Because I've read the books. You know, I think that's really cool how they set her up to like, she's so knowledgeable of all of this writing that it's just like second nature. It's like, she's been to this town before. And, you know, we get all this background about how there's the, the monster with tentacles that was in the, the greenhouse area of this hotel. One night, the townspeople saw something moving in here, something enormous with arms like snakes. Oh yeah. You didn't read closely enough. The view was from the east. She absolutely knows her shit about Sutter Kane and the stuff he's written about. I love it when they're even in the lobby and you keep turning your back and the painting keeps changing. I love yeah. the painting. Yeah, I love the painting. Too. And I love I love how it continues to progress throughout the movie. Like it, it changes every time you look at it. Yeah, and that's another thing I think in that scene. It's where they're poking fun at Stephen King because that's one thing he's notorious is taking eight pages to describe one room <laughs> in a, in the place they're at because she turns and then there's this painting and there's a loose board there on the floor. <laughs> Only Stephen King would mention the loose board in the floor. So, and that's, yeah. that's a thing that people love or hate about Stephen King. Um, my, my father-in-law doesn't like to read Stephen King because he's overly descriptive. That's why Jenny and my mother-in-law I feel like it gets a lot worse than King as far as descriptive, but well, I mean, yeah. and that's why my mother-in-law and, and Jenny love reading King is because he, he can describe things so well. My wife's reading his new book right now. And she's like, just the way he describes things is so beautiful oh, for sure. Yeah, and, I, yeah I love, but I can I absolutely it. see why people may not like the way he writes as well. I mean, it it, it is a lot to to take in. I mean, you really kind of have to. Well, I mean, you don't have to use your imagination because he's giving you so much detail most of the time that it's easy to paint the picture. Um, yeah. But I don't or know. just be like me. I mean, you like you like Stephen King when he's uh, a heavily cocaine induced director of a movie that it's like oscar worthy of maximum overdrive <laughs> you just wait for shit like that where would maximum <laughs> where would maximum overdrive fall in your stephen king ranking jason <laughs> because jason doesn't read books maximum overdrive I don't read would, books, would be number one for jason <laughs> it's number one because it's the only movie he directed this machine just called me an asshole let's go ahead and talk about some of these actors Almost famous. I know that, dude. I don't know them. I know her. You Haven't you ever heard of that guy? What, what's that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? I'm sort of famous for being almost famous. So we've been mentioning, you know, actors here and there as we go along, but Almost Famous is where we talk about those actors in the background that you know from somewhere. You just don't really know where. I went ahead and thrown mine out earlier in the game, but uh, Bernie Casey, Mr. Robinson uh, from... Uh, lambda 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 <laughs> uh revenge of the nerds i mean i i know him primarily from that but you know i'm gonna get you sucker you you've seen him in stuff in the 80s I really need you well, i've been pretty horny myself lately um sure. he's the first guy that i was like you know there, there's plenty of people you probably could pick but he's the first guy that i saw that i was like that's a good one that one right there I'm gonna, so bernie casey would be my 
first pick for Almost Famous. You guys have anybody else? That's a shitty pick, Josh. Sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's a fine pick, a fine pick. He was also in Never Say Never Again and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I've never seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. And you're, you suck. But uh, I, I was going to go with David Warner, Dr. Uh, Doctor Wren. That dude's been in quite a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, besides Waxwork, he was in the, the original Omen and Tron. The so, Omen. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just watched the Omen for the first time recently. I forgot he was in that. But yeah, he's. Dude, you've never watched the Omen either? I don't know you. We talked about that a long time ago, how I just watched The Omen for the first time when we did our uh, Richard uh, Richard Donner episode. That was the first time I'd ever watched it. Oh, my God. I have seen it now, so shut your mouth. Come on. All right. All right. I was going to throw one of this really I vague. have two that haven't been mentioned yet. Yeah, I'm just going to go something really vague. Well, let, let Eric put his out there since you already Go ahead. It. It's probably the, one of the ones I'm going to go with. Okay, well... One I had was Peter Jason, as you mentioned. How fucking cool of a name is Peter Jason? <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, I mean, anybody with name good. Jason in their name is fucking awesome. Prince of Darkness and They Live. Yep. Uh, lots of TV in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. uh, 48 hours. Uh, definitely someone you recognize if you watch Carpenter movies. And then uh, for me, my, my pick is uh, Francis Bay. I don't know her at all. Happy Gilmore's grandma. She was in arachnophobia. Yeah, Blue Velvet, Karate Kid, and just about any TV show you can name from the 80s and 90s. She was in it. Like she's and the and the 70s. <laughs> she's probably got more credits to her name than anybody else in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. She has been in damn near every TV show you can think of, commercials. Is she the Velveeta grandma? No, she's not. She mm. just has that traditional old grandma, like old sweet grandma. Oh, yeah. Sure. She's been a sweet grandma yeah. a million times. In her 30s, she was a sweet grandma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real. Um, I don't know. I was going to go really vague just because we, I know we all seen the movie. Not a particularly a big fan of it, but I was going to go uh, Willem von Humburg. His He's a Vigo. Vigo. I did not remember him being in this movie, but when he showed up at the church, I went. I literally looked at the screen and go, "It's a Vigo." It's Vigo. Come on, if you're a kid from that time, hell he yeah, trumps everybody in this movie because you notice Vigo. I have met some dumb blinds in my life, but you take the taco, pal. Yeah, and you never saw him in anything else. He's like just Vigo. He's Vigo. I don't care what he's in. I don't know. I don't I forgot what his name was in this what Simon is his name in this. I know Vigo. No, he's Vigo. He's Vigo. He's also in Die Hard. Yes. Yeah, he's in Die Hard. <laughs> There's also Jurgen Prochnow, which I'm probably saying completely wrong as Sutter Kane. Yeah. English patient, Judge Dredd. I've seen that dude in so many movies. He's a creepy looking fella. He is, man. Like, I think he's got like the scarring, like acne scarring on his face or something. Yeah, definitely got the acne scarring. He's got this sort of like, you could see him. He could be. <laughs> he could be a bad guy. In, in, uh, a great villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he was villain. actually the villain in Beverly Hills Cop 2. I think he's the villain in that. Oh, God. So what do we go with? Who wins? Well, I also wanted to bring up John Glover. I mean, Lionel Luther yeah. from Smallville. Uh, that dude's yeah. been in tons of stuff. Uh, the other director from Scrooge. 
uh-huh. the one that comes in to help out. Yep. Robocop yeah. 2, Gremlins yep. 2. Yep, 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 for sure. John Glover, absolutely. But uh, I, my my pick is Bernie Casey. I, you guys can pick whoever you want, but that's mine. Uh, David Warner, too, I feel like could be mentioned. Oh, that's yeah. what I went with. That was my first. See, I oh, think we, I wasn't listening. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You never listen to what I got to say. I'm sorry I wasn't listening. Must be all that PBR that soaked into his douchebag brain. So, so Trent and uh, Styles talk about this church that they see throughout the window. So they decide to go to the church. This yep. church is amazing. It's, oh God, that fucking church is awesome. And, it, and like, the fact that it's like just out there in like this big open field, it's super weird. Like yeah. the idea to put that in a movie like this is brilliant. Yes. Like that looks like it should be in a weird scary movie that thing is weird <laughs> you know well they get there and then all the townspeople show up vigo vigo he's vigo he's hollering like give me my boy back or he's looking for oscar yeah yeah <laughs> it's new year's eve dude he needs another body <laughs> but uh they get there and then i mean that's when the creepy shit starts happening the fucking doors keep opening yeah. with the kid and then all of a sudden you see sutter kane staying there yeah which that shot it, of that shot of him standing in the doorway and that kind of like just at an angle hint of a smile he has on his face it's it's fucking creepy man this movie's fucking creepy it's unsettling yeah it's unsettling it is yeah, because you think that they're showing up to go after Trent and Styles, you know, hey, you know, Outlander, Outlander, <laughs> Outlander, <laughs> Children of the Corn there, you know, that's what I'm thinking going on. But then they just the whole, you know, Vigo looking for his boy and then the fucking Doberman pictures come around the corner. Is Prince of Darkness the third one? In the, it is. In the it trilogy? is. It's Prince of Darkness. That's part of the trilogy. That's it. Okay. The Apocalypse trilogy. Or yep. whatever it's called. I hope we're saying that right. Hell. that movie still confuses me to this day yeah it's... you need to rewatch it then it's not that confusing i mean Dude, i've i've probably seen it more than you have <laughs> well i guess you'll never understand it <laughs> about this about to say you've probably watched it like since you were like 35 <laughs> so mr i'm still in the kindergarten of horror over here mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> It's like fuck you, Jason. The biggest thing I'll say about Prince of Darkness is it, it is a slow burn. Like I feel like that movie moves pretty slow. It's not that slow. I mean, it's slower than this one. No, it's not that slow. You're not falling asleep. Shut up. Oh, I like the movie, but it's slow. No, it's it's slow. No, it's like a no. It's like a two toes sloth. You got bugs coming out of people's pant legs in no time. After all this, is when we find out that Trent's kind of right that the book company did do a setup to get right. some extra book sales, but that's why they hired him because it didn't work out right because Sutter Kane never showed up to where he was supposed to be. Right. Right. Which is a little convoluted. It's like, uh, does that need to be there that like there actually was a setup, but uh, I think ultimately it, you don't need it there, but I, I think it kind of adds a little bit of a twist to everything. Cause like it just gives, it gives Trent a little credibility. Right. But yeah. I, I don't think it matters anyway. Cause it all falls apart. Like in five minutes. Sure. Yeah, it shows that his bullshit meter works. He called them out on it. See, you can't bullshit a bullshit. I can't. He goes downstairs and then he notices the painting has changed to these monsters on the, 
painting. And he also notices Miss Pickman is acting really fucking weird. <laughs> and he, he hears some strange noises coming from below the desk. <laughs> that is that a, was I was not expecting that the first time I ever watched this movie to see a man handcuffed to her fucking leg. But naked, naked, yeah. but naked at that, yeah. You're like, what the fuck? Happy Gilmore's mom is into some S and M, dude. Something's going on. She's but a little kinky. I really love that your first introduction to her, she is like, she's, you know, just this sweet little grandma. And then the next time you see her, she's, she's got the bags under her eyes. She's a little meaner than she was the first yeah. time. And, but when you see her the third time. Yeah. When she turns into the thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what the hell? Yeah. I, apparently that was a miniature. Mrs. Pickman was a pretty elaborate puppet uh at the time we actually built a hanging miniature with a puppet a fully articulated puppet and it was a slave miniature slave puppet so it was like quarter scale which is weird i'm thinking why not have the actress with prosthetics on they made a whole head for her they i, I think because she was so small and fragile at the time they, that was a lot of makeup they would have had to have put on her. So yeah. I don't think they really wanted to do it with her. Uh, you really could have put any kind of an actor in the suit and, and done it. But, yeah. I, I, you know, that is the one thing I will say as we start getting into the introduction of all the monsters and stuff we see here. Sometimes when you get glimpses of them, it looks a little manufactured. Like the when you see that miniature of Miss Pickman uh, later, it looks like a... It looks it's like a, a makeup effect. Like, it well, it very clearly isn't her face. Like, it's clearly oh, yeah. a, a right. fake head. And I think part of that is we just see too much of it. Yeah, it's a little too lit. Um, but yeah, it, it is weird. Like, why why does she have to be fully just you know right? Like, shouldn't I mean we already have the lady's head? Let's just. Have her go, ah, and then <laughs> do some stuff, set up some stuff underneath. That stuff can look face, fake, but at least her face looks real. But yeah, in the movie, it's like clearly a fake face. Mm -hmm. It's not great, but we skipped over the whole part of where Styles actually goes to the church. And he hops in the fucking car and leaves his ass there at the fucking hotel. And then that's when you know, like this whole thing, when she finally gets in the doors, you know, uh, all the crosses are now upside down. Right. Yep. In the church. And of course, I wrote it said, Oh my God, it must be the devil. Because little girls are the devil. Mama. <laughs> <laughs> but then she gets in. I love that little weird thing with Sutter Kane when she opens the door and gets into his little, I guess, office or writing room, whatever. And the, the red, whatever that is on the fucking walls. Yeah. yeah it's like this weird, weird realm. Uh, you know, like there's no real depth to it. It feels all completely like magic, like a like you're just in limbo or something. Yeah, yeah. And to me, when he when she walks in there, and later when Trent does again, Stephen King, Jack Torrance sitting at a typewriter. You know, he proceeds to tell her that you know this is this is all this is all my making. You've read, you know, I'm going to show you this book, and then like. This is where everything really starts to come together, and you put it all. You're starting to piece all those parts together in your brain, and the idea of it is just so captivating to me. And how you can spin the reality the way he does in this. Well, sure, it's it's like it's like questioning 
what is reality, which is yeah. kind of a scary thought to think about. And yeah, there's lots of great ideas and great lines like reality isn't what it used to be. And uh, we, I think Styles says something about a reality is just what we tell each other it is. Sane and insane could easily switch places if the insane were to become the majority. You would find yourself locked in a padded cell, wondering what happened to the world. It's definitely a fascinating conversation about what is reality. We're all we all have a different reality because we're all looking at things from different perspectives. We can't even get like you know as humans in society we can't agree on what reality is right that's right. the biggest argument there's kind of two sides but really there's all kinds of perspectives and the idea of uh mass hysteria as well you know and basically the extremes of these things right he's yeah. just taking this idea of how everyone perceives reality and like ratcheting it up to like horror levels where you know you're thinking of uh yeah, I mean, we're we're fighting for what is truth, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone seems to be feeling like they're on the right side of truth, but ultimately we all have our own perspective on things. And yeah, yeah, you could really like just dive super deep into all the stuff they're thinking about. These are like giant ideas that well mankind has had for a long time, and they they're scary to think about. Like it's you know just like with the Lovecraft stuff, and uh, they're big ideas, you know. Yeah. Well, it's what even Sutter Kane is talking about is, you know, your books aren't real, but they've sold over a billion copies. I've been translated into 18 languages. More people believe in my work than believe in the Bible. If you're a religious person, this, this is all sacrilege because you're basically saying you what you believe, what you're reading, you believe what the Bible says, and that is your reality of how life is supposed to go and have it ends. So therefore, Sutter Kane's book now outsells the Bible. Yeah, is now what he says the new reality. Sure, and then that will come to be. And sure. as I said, it gets really deep right there. Really, yeah, deep. definitely. And he even says he is God. Like, yeah. yeah, the meta themes or whatever. You can go the other direction of like the creator. Uh, as far as like not God, but but like an artist right. and uh, a writer or a filmmaker, even a director, you know, like uh, any artist is creating something that is going to change your perspective. Right. Right. So yeah. maybe it's not a Bible, but maybe it's a political book with a certain perspective, or mm -hmm. maybe it's something about a certain subject that might make you feel a certain way. They're, they're all every bit of art influences the way we see the world which is our reality right mm -hmm. so you're you're really talking about like you know how we're influenced by everything that is put in front of us books yeah. movies whatever stories storytelling i mean it, it there's there's lots of really like cool ideas all throughout this that are fun to think about and then you can just get like micro with it and about like literally like jumping through the pages where the page rips open and things like that yeah like just about like a writer gets power from monsters to take over but i also love when styles goes to kiss him and then you get that reveal from behind yes. that he's like mutated on the other side and she's like touching it too it's not yeah. like oh yeah she thing. touches like, it she's into it she's like touching his face it's all slimy hey i i also like thinking about this in a sense of 
Sutter Kane maybe isn't the greatest author. I, I like thinking about it in that sense too. Like he's been given powers by the ancient right. gods, the ancient mm -hmm. demons, whatever. And he's actually not the greatest writer. He's just everyone loves it because he's got this magic, yeah. evil magic, <laughs> yeah. you know, in it. Uh, so that's kind of a fun idea to think like, okay, well, any like shitty parts of the story, they're just because Sutter Kane sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sutter Kane, yeah, it's a little little clunky dialogue there, or whatever. It's just he's not that great. <laughs> and now all the townspeople are starting to turn to the monsters. You like when when Trent says, "Come on, you old bitch." <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is when he starts seeing all the stuff that uh, Styles has been talking about in, in in this hotel too. Like he right. sees this shit in the greenhouse area, and he sees the tentacles under the door flailing <laughs> about. And um, yeah, I mean, this is where you start to see where John Carpenter brings a lot of his past movies sort of influence into a lot of what's going on in the end of this movie. Yeah, you're, you're you're like uh, when she walks in, like, "Hey, do you still got fillings in your mouth?" Yeah, and I mean, yeah. and Trent starts to lose it, man, because he's like, he doesn't know what's going on. All these townspeople are going crazy. He goes into the bar, and then that's when you see Vigo <laughs> talking about. Yeah, I can't remember what came first, us or the book. We are not living in a Sutter Kane story. This is not reality. Reality is not what it used to be. Proceeds to tell Trent that he needs to get the fuck out of here and then blows his head off. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you can see him. His face is changing. Yeah. Like he's yeah. been attacked, so he's changing too. So Everyone's I, everyone's changing at this point into monsters. Like everyone in, in Hobbs End is like turning, basically. Well, I thought what was crazy was when the, he gets back in the car and he gets, you know, Styles in the car and she's uh, taking the keys and she eats the fucking keys. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, but the part that gets me, who the fuck knew Trip could uh, fucking carjack a car with a screwdriver? Hell and he yeah. had one in the glove box. Yeah. This glove box is chock full of stuff. Flathead screwdrivers, <laughs> uh, bike horns. Bike horns. Uh <laughs> Whoopee cushions. <laughs> this is all oh, stuff God. he needs to bust people that are getting Hand, out of insurance. Handful of snakes. Never know. Uh, endless handkerchief. Yeah, I would say, yeah, endless <laughs> handkerchief. Rabbit, uh, rabbit in the hat type stuff. But yeah. I like when he gets going down the road and uh, she starts to change and stuff. Dude, that shit, when she gets out of the car yeah. and her head's at the bottom of the door, you're like, what the fuck? When she comes out, she's doing fucking... Crab walk shit. shit. Yeah. yeah. Crab, but her head's yeah. turned the other way. That's another like great image. Yeah. You know, talking about like it, different spots in this movie. And I think uh I think Prince of Darkness is the same way. Like there's oh, yeah. a, a good handful of moments that are like that image is just like you can't forget it. Like when you think of that movie, you think about like five images or six images. And yeah. Upside down styles is definitely one of them in this one. Oh, the, yeah. Then when she flips right side up and her head's yeah. upside down yeah. and you're like, whoa, <laughs> that's some pretty cool shit. But I just like it. He's like, bye, Felicia. After that shit, he's out. He fucking just oh, leaves yeah. her. Yeah. He's he gone. tried longer than I expected him to. Like, he kept trying to help her out. Yeah. But then he, he ends up in Groundhog Day and just keeps driving around in circles. Dude, that's what I have wrote right here. He becomes Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. <laughs> he just keeps going right back, right back.
But and and this is where we get the famous one that Eric brought up earlier when he's just looking at what's going on. Dude runs by with an axe, looks at him, and goes, "Fuck you!" <laughs> so good. I just like I'm I'm imagining like on set like we need something here between this and this like just somebody just, do something somebody yeah. do something. <laughs> you gotta wonder how many takes John Carpenter got of that. How many times that dude had to run up and look in the camera and go fuck you like no no say say fuck a little slower fuck you. <laughs> I'd love hey, somebody to- call Kevin Bacon. We need him to do the fuck you for this. Fuck you. It's a good fuck you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good that would have uh, been awesome yeah for sure i need the i need that over the guy doing it put the kevin bacon audio oh, over yeah. the, the clip of this guy <laughs> so give me that please Fuck you! <laughs> oh god but then yeah like he keeps going over and over so he gets to the point of fucking i'm just gonna drive through these people but it's funny they just move out of the way and he crashes the fucking car. Well, she's there. He he he, he crashes because he doesn't want to hit her. Right. She's at the yeah. He's still convinced that Styles is an actual person at this point. <laughs> <laughs> He's convinced he himself is a real person. Right. <laughs> this is not reality. What an idiot! But then we go to a church. <laughs> he he's actually wakes up and he's in confessional. And he's still like, this is what I love about his character. Even when he's. He's seen everything that he's seen. He's in this confessional talking to Sutter Kane. He's still like, your books suck. Like, he's just talking shit about him. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't believe anything that's happening right now. And Kane's just laying it out for him. And Kane glows like God. This, yeah. Right? Like, when he looks at him, he's, like, glowing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then it well, it shoots over, and, and we're in Kane's office again with uh, Trent and Kane. Are in the office. He's finishing up. Like he's like typing, pulls a paper out, and he yeah. says, "I'm done." And you're like, "What the hell?" And then he goes into his whole spiel. You know, this is in the mouth of madness. See, look here, very meta. We're he's writing the book of the movie we are watching, right? And we're almost at the end, and yeah, he just finished it, and we're gonna yeah. wrap it up. And they literally start reading from it. Yeah, like she's literally reading from it while Trent is looking into the hole after. He, he tears open his reality. He tears open his own face reality. And it's pages, book pages. What do you guys it's, think about the visual of the letters on the page? Do you guys? I feel like that's like a little. I just little find myself corny. trying to read what's I've on tried the page. to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do think it seems to be a little big and almost like um, like theme parky looking. It's a little goofy, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. In, in a in a movie like now, I think they wouldn't actually put the words on there. It would just be torn, maybe. Like, right. You know, we're a little more subdued, or a little more like uh, restrained with our visuals. You know. Yeah. Uh, but I do. I I like that about it. Like same with a lot of Carpenter stuff. Like it's kind of goofy, but I kind of like it too. It's like part of what makes it great. <laughs> so it's a uh, it's a weird because yeah. it does look kind of silly when it rips open as like a giant. It's like a giant book page. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. that, yeah, kind of. I kind of say, you know, we were talking about how. But that's he, how that's how Cutter Sutter Sutter Kane Cutter Sane. Cutter Sane. That's how Sutter Sutter Kane wrote it to be corny because he's not a great writer. Right. You know what I'm saying. You can blame everything that's wrong with this movie on Sutter Kane. Yeah, Kane. Exactly. <laughs> it makes the movie perfect. Yeah. Well, I was. I got like a. Uh, uh, I was sitting there thinking about it. you know we were talking about Charlton Heston and Moses. Uh, if Sutter Kane is God, then Trent is Moses. 
He is taking his law, oh, the word of God. Yeah, the word of, the word of God, because he says, you're here to be my messenger. You are to deliver this. Huh, so do you think that's why they cast Charlton Heston in this movie? Is that little reference? That's what I'm kind of saying. I'm just kind of realizing it. I'm going to call that canon. That is a cool little uh, connection you made there. I like I'm that, just Jason. Saying, you know, yeah, I like he's, that, Jason. He's to deliver the word. Yes, he's a disciple of God. Yeah. And he, he tells is. he tells Trent that uh, you know everything is from the, it's the old ones uh, and they're going to come ones. and reclaim the earth, which is very Lovecraftian right there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the, the old ones you talk about yeah, ancient, yeah, ancient gods that are coming back to take you know they used to be in control and they're taking it back. They're going to we can't even comprehend. And this is where I have a slight problem. Um. I love when he's looking into the hole and she's describing uh-huh. what he's going and the monsters through. are coming. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's what makes a book special is when you can't see what, you know, some, obviously many times in film as well, you talk about what you don't see can sometimes be as effective right. as what you do see or more effective. <laughs> um, and the Lovecraftian stuff is very in that sense. Like it's like beyond just, description you know like it's it's described in a way that it's just like you would go mad if you looked at it you know it's just like that crazy and um that's where as much as i like some of these effects like these monsters i wish they were more in darkness yeah i see too much of them and they look great but it doesn't sell the earth is being taken over by ancient demons like right the, on it, the way like it I really th- just kind of looks it's like a- it looks like some of the monsters from power rangers are coming to take over <laughs> <laughs> actually you know yeah how i said earlier when it, when he's running down the long hallway yeah. of the uh-huh. bridge yes and you see those flashes and remember when i said earlier about thing in hellraiser doesn't some of them kind of remind you of that monster in the hellraiser josh yeah. that's coming down the hallway with the stinger on the top Definitely. where you can Definitely. see the guy pushing it from yeah. behind <laughs> And it's, well, it's, it's supposed to be like, like this. That. Yeah, the, the the goal is for them to make like this this wall of like monsters. It's just like flooding yeah. at you, right? Yeah. And they did their best. Yeah. And this movie didn't have a huge budget, and I get that. But like it, it feels small. Like this moment that is it's supposed be to be really large. Big. Yeah. Yeah. It feels kind of small because you're feeling the budget a little bit, and it's it's not their fault. The, the monsters look cool. I love when. You see them, but like the long shot when he's running from them, mm-hmm. it looks like maybe like 10 monsters. It doesn't look like something like a squad of military guys couldn't just like blow away in a minute. <laughs> you know, it doesn't look like something you're going to lose the planet to. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I watched the behind the scenes with Greg Nicotero talking about how they designed all of that and whatnot. That was a. And it was literally this massive 22 foot wide steel welded frame that allowed for 14 puppeteers to get inside and move these various Lovecraftian creatures. There was lots of tentacles and there was lots of claws and teeth and slime and it was kind of like a giant massive parade float of of creatures. Holy shit. <laughs> so he goes into a lot of detail. <laughs> the th- that $3 million budget really and truly the $3 million budget probably a million of that was a damn wall maybe yeah <laughs> and it still wasn't that great <laughs> well it's like it's one of those things where it's like you you know the people that made it didn't have everything they needed to be able to pull something off 
like that and they did a remarkable job at it so like i'm not like ragging on it like it wasn't a good job it's just you in that moment in the film you kind of feel the feel the budget and it doesn't feel you think of how it was shot shot and lit if yeah well i was kind of saying the light like they're a little over lit yeah Yeah, like how it was shot and lit i think takes away because I, I, I mean, we know what Nicotero could do, but even before 1994, with stuff he had been a, a part of, and I'm just like, I, I don't know if it's more of that than it. I think it was just sh- that shot was sh- it was just shot poorly. Lit same with poorly. Same with uh, Mrs. Pickman. And you know, like yeah. if Ms. the Pickman. light, if it wasn't just so lit up, it just it shows too much, and you can kind of see behind it. You can see there's nothing behind that wall of monsters, right? And obviously, in a in a newer film, they'd have CGI. You'd see like a sea of monsters. Exactly. Wouldn't, that wouldn't look great either. So I don't know what I want. <laughs> <laughs> the monsters look awesome. Like I'm not bragging <laughs> on the monsters. I'm just saying like from a from a perspective of like what she reads when he's looking in the hole. Like, yeah. The most heinous. Yeah. Like I feel like you show anything, it's going to feel like less. less because mm-hmm. you've already got this thing in your mind of like the most horrible thing you've ever seen in your life and like okay yeah those are slimy monsters and they look awesome but i i need to see less of them they need to be barely i need to be barely tell what that is is that an eyeball is that a spike is that well a they they what do a that? couple a like quick flashes of some of the stuff yeah and i think that stuff works pretty well it's mainly when he's going down that hall and you yeah. see them behind him and whatnot yeah i agree yeah um yeah, yeah the, the the flash stuff is good yeah i think it would have better if the hole just would have opened and some chains shot out and you know, and you hear somebody, what is your pleasure? <laughs> He's carrying a black a little box with him. We're gonna mix in the mouth of madness with Hellraiser and be, it would have been all right. We have such sights to show you. But either way, he gets out, he's back wherever he's got his package he's supposed to deliver. The paper boy's there. This kind of and- reminds me of that scene in um Freddy's Dead. When he when the kid oh. flies out of the town and it's town. completely different, you know what oh, I'm talking and Freddy's about? Freddy's looking through the hole where he tore through the reality. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Dude, that's almost exactly of the page tear and then this scene. A little it's bit. Very yeah. reminiscent. Yeah, that is true. Good one, Josh. But no, I love this whole thing where he's supposed to take the book back, and you know he's like "fuck you" and he burns it. And then he gets back home, and it's. I love that he burns it. No, no, I like no. Before that, he left it, got to the hotel, and it was delivered to him. And then he burns it. The one thing we didn't mention is when he is on the bus going back, and remember he shows up and he says, "I tell you that my favorite color is blue." Yeah, does that, and he he is hysterically screaming on the bus. (laughs) That's some good screaming. I mean, I believe it. Like he is fucking. And everybody's going, you okay? <laughs> like that. I mean, I believe it. That's real. I mean, that is Eric acting like oh. he's sneezing. So, <laughs> so we're real sneezes. <laughs> but, dude, I love that shot of him just screaming at the top of his lungs in the middle of the bus. Yeah. yeah it's before good. he gets back to town. And then, yeah, of course, he has his this moments where he really he really cuts loose, for sure, in this movie. And then what was it, the whole thing? He gets back to the main office, and then... They're like, what are you talking about? You gave it to us seven months ago or whatever. And who is the styles lady? I've never heard of her. Yeah. Yeah. It, like you already gave it to us. And who the hell is styles? Like, you're just like, 
No wonder yeah. he loses it. Right. I mean, God, can and you then, imagine? And then he becomes the agent <laughs> and fucking kills a guy. <laughs> Do you yeah. read Sutter Kane? Like it's 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 come full circle at this point. And it's good. He's good. You know, I mean, it's all about going mad. This movie is about going mad. You're in the mouth of madness. You got to go mad. You don't go mad. Then what's the point? You know? Well, before we go completely mad and finish talking about this movie, Jason, whose tagline is it anyway? Yay! Hello, folks. It's that time again. It's whose tagline is it anyway? Where the points do matter and shut the fuck up, Josh. <laughs> I like the way this is going so far. Yes, tell Josh to shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up! Jason's going to give us five taglines. Which ones are true and which ones are false? we got to figure that out. Five, dude. I wrote like 12. Nope, you get five. Pick your good ones. Reality isn't what it used to be. Dot, dot, dot. It's real. Uh, Yeah, real. It is real. (laughs) I have a feeling this, y'all gonna get all these. Life imitating art. Dot, dot, dot. Or is it? That is Jason. (laughs) Eric? I said fake. Oh, you said fake? Yeah, I read it. (laughs) Off the page and into the mind. Pure insanity. Fake. Yes, dude. Eric's thinking about it. Sometimes I have to answer different from Josh just to get points. So, um, you know, I play to win, not to tie. But uh, I'll I'll stick with Josh on this. I'm going to say fake. It's fake. I wrote it. Gotta admit that was a good one. It It was was good. good. It was good. Could have been real. Could have been real. When does fiction become religion? Real. Fake. It is fake. I wrote it. Well, you didn't write it. It's a quote from the film. Exactly. But I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Oh, one more. I can only do five. Uh, Well, actually, here I got. I'm gonna do two more. Uh, Lived any good books lately? Real. Lived any good books lately? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. I'll say real. Just stick with Josh. It is real. He seemed very sure of that. He must have seen it recently. And the one that's to fool them all, insane and the Sutter King. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're you're getting to dad joke territory real. with these. I do that real, for, dude. I'm doing it just for dude. I did that one just for Eric. Real. <laughs> I did it just for Eric. <laughs> I was like, how's this wordplay? Hey, I got to throw a dad joke in there for Eric. That's it, folks. Josh right, lost won. Again. Eric lost. Sorry, Eric. I, yeah, I suck. Basically. Thanks for those taglines there, Jason. But I yeah. suck. Hey, you said it, not me. I don't know shit. <laughs> I don't know shit about nothing. <laughs> I'm dumb. Well, now we're essentially back to the beginning of our movie. We're we're back at the mental hospital. He's he's in his room, and shit has hit the uh, proverbial fan. And he wants to stay in the cell. He does not want out of the cell. It's no hurry. It's safer in here now. This is where we get the the attack on the hospital mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we don't see really. We just hear. No, I, it's good. It could be better. I think. Uh, it's not super scary at this point. We've kind of we're winding down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the hospital is like uh, some twenty eight days later. Shit went down. 
Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, everything's torn up. Days later. Uh, Thor's got holes ripped in it. Blood. Danny Stoyle. <laughs> no, that. <laughs> it's not as good as Christopher <laughs> Stolen, dude. St- <laughs> <laughs> He's trying. It's awesome. Stan- Steely Boyle. <laughs> Steely Dan. Oh, Danny Barrow. <laughs> Danny Barrow. Danny- oh, there you go. Danny Barrow. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I'm giving myself a, a dinger there. But I like how it's it is kind of like that. Most of your uh, apocalyptic movies where you had the one survivor, you know, be it a zombie yeah. apocalypse. He gets outside. You hear the radio broadcast or TV playing in the background, yeah. talking about the mass hysteria and monsters. Yeah, <clears throat> you get this- you get the also the outside of the hospital. So that sort of bookends that opening shot. Yep. And then uh, he he yep. he wanders into a movie theater to see In the Mouth of Madness. Did you notice who it was directed by? Uh, I don't think I did. No, tell me. If you look on the poster as he's walking in the movie theater, it's a John Carpenter picture. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, so the director put be. himself in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's God. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes in. He watches a movie. It's him. He realizes he's been a character this whole time, and he laughs maniacally, and then begins to cry, and then credits roll. This is not a solid Kane story. This is not reality. Not reality, not reality. This is reality. reality. <laughs> Originally, this was supposed to have a different ending. We were supposed to see the world get engulfed into a book at the end of this. Mm. But they unfortunately did not have the budget for that. Uh, there was also supposed to be um, kind of a jump scare at the end where uh, the tentacles come up out of the popcorn and attack him as, as the credits roll. Oh, I like that. And there's footage of the popcorn bucket that they made where the tentacles pop up out and whatnot, <laughs> which looks really cool. I kind of wish they would have done something with it. Um, I also I mean, I like the ending the way it is, but that is fun. Like, yeah, that's a fun alternate ending or whatever. Who served him popcorn, though? Everybody's dead. How, did he just like go get his own popcorn? He got, him so, he got his own, dude. Got him some popcorn, dude. Walk behind the thing, no problem. Fill it up. It's just the way Sutter Kane wrote it, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the way Sutter Kane wrote it. Sutter Kane was standing there and handed him some popcorn. All right, Josh, take us home. The good, the bad, the ugly. Why? It's like Steven Tyler over there, and he puts a bandanas around the microphone. Aye! Do it. Yeah. Well, this was my pick for the month, so I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and start. The good for me is the girl or guy, whatever it is, that runs up and says, fuck you. <laughs> and runs up. <laughs> uh, other than that, the premise of the movie that I is absolutely good. love, and uh, I I I love Sam Neill in this movie. Like this movie wouldn't be the same without Sam Neill, and I think he's the best part of it. Uh, bad for me is Styles. I've talked about it. I don't think she's the greatest. Uh, she serves her purpose in this movie, but if I was gonna give anything a bad, it would be that and probably overly lit creature effects that you probably don't need to see as well. Um, and the ugly is the tearing, the page tearing of the face and all that. I think that doesn't look very good. And that's what I put for my ugly. Okay. <clears throat> Eric, what's yours? Well, my good is, uh, like you said, the, the overall concept, the discussion of reality, that kind of stuff. I like some of the ideas going on here and some of the layers it's fun to think about and, 
yeah. uh, you know, have theories about and dig deep and go down that spiral, that rabbit hole of ideas and stuff. Uh, I also like when Styles eats the car keys. That's excellent. yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, bad is the showing too much of the monsters. I just wanted things to be a little more vague, a little more hidden in shadow mysterious it would be overall i think a little scarier uh but there's so many great parts in this movie great jumps great creepy creep out things like it's it's fun it's a great one to watch in october like it's a great halloween movie absolutely there's just lots of just crazy imagery monsters blood gore creepy jump scares what you name it you know it's, it's a good one um and then ugly is horn in the glove box it's not funny <laughs> it's not even remotely funny like no. I, i'm sorry like i love this movie but that is it's cringy yeah the the horn gag it's like i thought trent was supposed to be like this cool cool as a cucumber like private detective type of dude like noir detective cool dude smoking a cigarette now he's like huh, you know uh he's i guess just got maybe that's just he's got a carnival starter box in his glove <laughs> yeah. department <laughs> it's just john carpenter i guess just wanting to be silly i don't know whatever maybe i should like it but i don't it's all right it's my ugly jason oh let's see my good uh it's a john carpenter movie <laughs> you know uh let's just say if you go back and listen to our shivers episode jason's good on that was uh it's a David Cronenberg movie. Cronenberg movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start doing that from now. That's my new thing here. Yeah. Uh, just tell us who did the movie. Is that? Yeah, your... that's my good. Uh, I mean, I mean, there are movies that he did integrate, like us to Ghost of Mars. That's that's movie's horrible, but it was good. This did feel like still like a Carpenter movie to me before we get to that. It's interesting that uh, just on that note that Josh, you said it was sort of like the last good Carpenter movie. That's kind of an interesting thing to think about that i hadn't thought about before it kind of makes me want to watch the next couple of movies after this one to see if when did vampires true. come out vampires was after this so it's not the okay, last vampire okay yeah. vampires yeah vampires yeah, yeah. i thought okay. came out after this and that was probably one of the last yeah when you were stabbing that vampire in there yeah did you get a little wood vampires was 98 by the way mahogany so yeah. mahogany mahogany <laughs> <laughs> mahogany uh, but uh, my other good, uh, I like the Styles monster when she gets out of the car. That was a great effect. Yeah, uh, the very uh, I kind of like the meta feel of the movie. The Sam Neill steals the scene when he's in it. Like you said, he just he ha he's having a blast making this movie. The little one liners, the quips, and stuff like that. Uh, and I like uh, kind of Eric mentioned the layers, the deepness of this whole dive into you know the reality of you know what's written, what's real. Uh, the whole biblical part mixed with, you know, Sutter Kane, like, well, if more people believe what I write than what the Bible does, what does, does that make it my reality or is it still God's reality? We love blasphemy here at the VHS files. So. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, it's, it's <laughs> well, he is the villain. Is he not? He is the villain. True. Yeah, Sutter, Sutter Kane. Yeah. Um, my bad. Yeah. Is that I whole, I mean, I agree. My I bad. My bad. Yeah. Is uh yeah the the wall of monsters too well lit like you guys said that's it's not as bad as Hellraiser though you can actually see the trolley that it's on in Hellraiser. oh yeah the, the Hellraiser monster at the end yeah you see the guy like pushing the dolly behind it but uh yeah the whole that whole that whole scenario the whole tearing of the page 
uh, that whole section right there. It just, it, I think we could have done it better, maybe better shot, you know, stuff like that. And then my bat, my ugly is, uh, yeah, the Miss Pickman monster. It, it just didn't look yeah. good. It looked no. bad. It almost looks yeah. like a porcelain statue. It has like this glossy look to it that makes it look yeah. fake. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just, yeah, it's, 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 there aren't a lot of like, points of articulation or whatever yeah, so it kinda, it, it it's very almost stiff. like a showbiz pizza sort of thing <laughs> like, you know what i mean like animatronic uh hello bear. welcome to chuck e cheese how yeah. are you doing today yeah it does it's very this <laughs> actually the monsters were kind of this you described them <laughs> this way before and i i, I thought it was funny because it's kind of true they're like dun, 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 yeah, the, monsters the coming <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's it for me. All right. But well, it's fun. I love Carpenter. Uh, great. Like definitely up there with my Carpenter. I think it could make my top five. We, we maybe we should do a top four Carpenter film. That could be something or, we do. In or the just future. like a quick, you know, a quick conversation about our top five or top ten or whatever Carpenters or rank Carpenter. I haven't seen all the Carpenter, so I can't rank them. I believe at this point I have seen all of John Carpenter's movies. So I need to I need to catch up, man. I, I'm missing the ward mainly because of you. You told me not to watch it. So I didn't. It's not very good. I mean, you you can watch it to finish it out, but it's not a very good movie. I just watched Elvis for the first time. And, eh, you know, it's it's his first time working with Kurt Russell. It's an interesting movie, but I don't know a whole lot about Elvis. So but it was an entertaining watch. But uh, let us know what you think of In the Mouth and Madness. Um, is it one of your favorite John Carpenter movies? Did you even know John Carpenter directed this movie? If you have not seen In the Mouth of Madness, we highly recommend you check this movie out. It's, again, we said it might be one. Definitely. It might be John Carpenter's last good movie, but we proved that that's not true. But it is definitely worth your time. Uh, if, you, if you've seen this movie, if you want to talk about it, let us know in the comments below what you think of this movie. Uh, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, all that good stuff. So, you know, we're putting out new uh, episodes. We will be back with our Halloween episode next week, and we will be talking the new Halloween classic trick or treat. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Not a VHS era film. Not a but... VHS era film, but it is definitely um, a Halloween film, so yeah. we figured not the, not the trick or treat from the 80s, which I have a friend of mine who says it's better than this one. There is actually another movie called Trick or Treat. Doesn't it have Gene Simmons or Ozzy Osbourne in it or something or like something that? Something like that. It, it's it's horrible. I've watched it. We're going to talk uh, our good buddy Sam, our Halloween uh, mascot here, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk. So have some fun with that one. Yeah, we're going to talk about Trick or Treat for Halloween. It's a very fun movie. Eric just watched it for the first time a couple of years ago. We're going to give it a shot yep. and talk about it this time. And uh, we figured it would be a great movie to talk about and drop on Halloween for you guys so you can listen to it and see what we think about Trick or Treat. So come back next week to hear that one, and then we'll be rolling into November for some new episodes. But until we see you next time, be kind. Rewind. Rewind. Wine. Do you read Sutter Kane? This is reality. <laughs>
right, I lost again. Hey, yeah, I suck, basically. I suck. I don't know shit. I'm dumb. Ding, 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 ding. I'm giving myself a, a dinger there.